Chapter 24 of Faulkner. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Hope Force One. Faulkner by Mary Shelley. Chapter 24. Faulkner's mind had undergone a total change. He had gone to Bell Forest, believing it to be his duty to restore to its possessors a dearer treasure than any held by them. He left it, resolved never to part from his adopted child. Get rid of an embarrassment, he repeated to himself. Get rid of Elizabeth, of tender affection, truth and fidelity, of the heart's foundest ties, my soul's only solace. How often has my life been saved and sheared by her only, and when I would sacrifice blessings of which I hold myself unworthy, I hear the noblest and most generous being in the world, degraded by the vulgar, sordid prejudices of that narrow-minded bigot. How paltry seems the pomp of wealth, or the majesty of these ancient woods, when it is recollected that they are lorded over by such a thing as that. Faulkner's reflections were all painful. His heavily burdened conscience weighed him to the earth. He felt that there was justice in a part of Mr. Raby's representations, that if Elizabeth had been brought up under his care, in a religion which, because it was persecuted, was the more valuable in their eyes, participating in their prejudices, and endeared to them by habit, she would have had claims which, as she was, unseen, unknown, and totally disjoined from them in opinions and feelings she could never possess. He was the cause of this, having, in her infancy, chosen to take her to himself, to link his desolate fate to her brighter one, and now he could only repent for her sake, yet for her sake he did repent, when, looking forward, he thought of the growing attachment between her and the son of his victim what could he do recall her forbid her again to see gerard neville unexplained commands are ever unjust and had any strong feeling sprung up in either of their hearts they could not be obeyed should he tell her all and throw himself on her mercy he would thus inflict deep irreparable pangs and besides place her in a painful situation where duty would struggle with the inclination and pride and affection both made it detestable to him to create such a combat in her heart and cause her to feel pangs and make sacrifices for him what other part was there to take to remain neuter let events take their course if it ended as he foresaw when a marriage was mentioned he could reveal her real birth married to gerard neville her relations would gladly acknowledge her, and then he could withdraw forever. He should have much to endure, meanwhile, to hear a name perpetually repeated that thrilled to the very marrow of his bones, perhaps to see the husband and son of her he had destroyed. He felt sick at heart at such a thought. He put it aside. It was not to-day. It could not be to-morrow that he should be called upon to encounter these evils. Meanwhile, he would shut his eyes upon them. Returning homeward, he felt impelled to prolong his tour. 
he visited some of the lakes of Westmoreland, and the mountain scenery of Derbyshire. The thought of return was painful, so he lingered on the way, and wrote for his letters to be forwarded to him. He had been some weeks without receiving any from Elizabeth, and he felt extreme impatience again to be blessed with the sight of her handwriting. He felt how passionately he loved her. How to part from her was to part from every joy of life. He called himself her father. His heart acknowledged the tie in every pulsation. No father ever worshipped a child so fervently. Her voice, her smile, and dear loving eyes, where were they? They were far, but here was something. A little packet of letters that must for the present stand in lieu of the dearer blessing of her presence. He looked at the papers with delight. He pressed them to his lips, he delayed to open them, as if he did not deserve the joy they would communicate, as if its excess would overpower him. I purpose parting from her, he thought, but still she is mine, mine when she traced those lines, mine as I read the expressions of her affection. There are hours of delight garnered for me in those little sealed talismans that nothing future or past can tarnish, and yet the name of Neville will be there. The thought brought a cold chill with it, and he opened the letters hastily to know the worst. Elizabeth had half forgotten the pain with which Faulkner had at one time shrunk from a name become so dear to her. When she wrote, her heart was full of Gerard's story. And, besides, she had had letters from her father speaking of him with kindness, so that she indulged herself by alluding to it, to the disappearance of his mother and Gerard's misery, the trial, the brutality of Sir Boyville, and lost to the resolution formed in childhood, brooded over through youth, now acted upon to discover his mother's destroyer. Nor is it, she wrote, any vulgar feeling of vengeance that influences him, but the purest and noblest motives. She is stigmatized as unworthy. He would vindicate her fame. When I hear the surmises, the accusations cast on her, I feel with him. To hear a beloved parent accused of guilt must indeed be the most bitter woe. To believe her innocent, and to prove her such the only alleviation, God grant that he may succeed, and though I wish no ill to any human being, yet rather may be the height of evil fall on the head of the true criminal than continue to cloud the days of a being whose soul is moulded in sensibility and honour. Thus do you pray, heedless Elizabeth. May the true criminal feel the height of evil. May he, whom you have saved from death, and your tortures compared to which a thousand deaths were nothing. Be it so, you shall have your wish. Impetuous as fire, Faulkner did not pause. Something, some emotion devouring as fire, was lighted up in his heart. There must be no delay. Never had he seen the effects of his crime in so vivid a light. Avoiding the name of Neville, he had never heard that of his victim coupled with shame. She was unfortunate, but he persuaded himself that she was not thought guilty. Dear injured saint! Had then her sacred name been bandied about by the vulgar, 
she pronounced unworthy by the judges of her act ignominy heaped upon the grave he had dug for her was her beloved son the victim of his belief in her goodness had his youthful life been blighted by his cowardly concealment oh rather a thousand deaths than such a weight of sin upon his soul he would declare all offer his life in expiation what more could be demanded and again this might be thought a more sordid motive and yet it was not gerard was vowed to the discovery of the true criminal he would discover him earth would render up her secrets heaven lead the sun to the very point by slow degrees his crime would be unveiled elizabeth called upon to doubt and to believe his vehement disposition was not calculated to bear the slow process of such discoveries he would meet them avow all let the worst fall on him it was happiness to know and feel the worst lost for ever he would deliver himself up to reprobation and the punishment of his guilt too long he had delayed now all his motives for concealment melted away like snow overspread by volcanic fire fears hurrying destiny seized him by the hair of his head crying aloud murderer offer up thy blood shade of alithea take thy victim he wrote instantly to elizabeth to meet him at her home at wimbledon and proceeded thither himself unfortunately the tumult of his thoughts acted on his health after he had proceeded a few miles he was taken ill for three days he was confined to his bed in a high fever he thought he was about to die his secret untold copious bleeding however subdued the violence of the attack and weak and faint he despite his physician's advice proceeded homeward weak and faint an altered man life had no charms no calls but one duty hitherto he had lived in contempt of the chain of effects which ever links pain to evil and of the providence which will not let the innocent be forever traduced it had fallen on him now his punishment had begun not as he in the happier vehemence of passion had determined not by sudden self-inflicted or glorious death but the slow grinding of the iron wheels of destiny as they passed over him crushing him in the dust yet his heart despite its sufferings warmed with something like pleasure when after a tedious journey of three days he drew near his home where he hoped to find elizabeth he had misgivings he had asked her to return but she might have written to request a delay no she was there she had been there two days anxiously expecting him it is so sweet a thing to hear the voice of one we love welcoming us on our return home it seems to assure us of a double existence not only in our own identity which we bear perpetually about with us but in the heart we leave behind which has thought of us lived for us and now beats with warm pleasure on beholding the expected one on the whole earth faulkner loved none but elizabeth
he hated himself the past the present the future as they appertained to him were all detestable remorse grief and loathsome anticipation made up the sum of feelings with which he regarded them but here bright and beautiful without taint all affection and innocence a monument of his own good feelings a lasting rock to which to moor his every hope stood before him the child of his adoption his heart felt bursting when he thought of all she was to him yet a doubt entered to mar his satisfaction was she changed if love had insinuated itself into her heart he was rejected at least the plenteous abundant fountain that gave from its own source would be changed to the still waters that neither received increase nor bestowed any overflowing worse than this she loved gerard neville the son of his victim he whose life was devastated by him who would regard him with abhorrence he would teach elizabeth to partake this feeling the blood stood chilled in faulkner's heart when he thought of thus losing the only being he loved on earth he mastered these feelings when he saw her the first moment indeed when she flew to his arms and expressed with eager fondness her delight in seeing him again was all happiness she perceived the traces of suffering on his brow and chided herself for having remained away so long she promised never to absent herself thus again every remembered look and tone of her dear face and voice now brought palpably before him was a medicine to faulkner he repressed his uneasiness he banished his fears for a few hours he made happiness his own again the evening was passed in calm and cheering conversation no word was said of the friends whom elizabeth had left she had forgotten them during the first few hours she spent with her father and when she did allude to her visit faulkner said we will talk of these things to-morrow to-night let us only think of ourselves elizabeth felt a little mortified the past weeks the fortunes of her friends and the sentiments they excited had become a part of herself and she was pained that so much of disjunction existed between her and faulkner as to make that which was so vivid and present to her vacant of interest to him but she checked her disappointment soon he would know her new friend sympathize in his devotion towards his injured mother enter as warmly as she did into the result of his endeavours for her exculpation meanwhile she yielded to his wish and they talked of scenes and countries they had visited together and all the feelings and opinions engendered by the past as they were wont to do in days gone by before a stranger influence had disturbed a world in which they lived for each other only father and daughter without an interest beyond nothing could be more pure and entire than their affection and there was between them that mingling of hearts which words cannot describe but which whenever it is experienced in whatever relation in life is unalloyed happiness there was a total absence of disguise of covert censure of mutual diffidence perfect confidence gave rise to the fearless utterance of every idea and there was a repose 
and yet an enjoyment in the sense of sympathy and truth, which filled and satisfied. Faulkner was surprised at the balmy sense of joy that, despite everything, stole over him, and he kissed and blessed his child as she retired for the night with more grateful affection, a fuller sense of her merits, and a more fervent desire of preserving her always near him than he had ever before been conscious of experiencing. End of chapter 24